I want to start off by saying that thanks to our elders, Larry Craig, Lewis, Livingston, Kevin Finnerty, Cedric Boaz, Al Baker, and Mark Sanders, we can meet here at this place because of their vision for the church. I respect these brothers so much, and we want to thank you for your service and for shepherding this great church to God's glory. It's an honor to work with you. I want to encourage all of us, all of us who possibly can, to make the conference next year in Orlando, uh, the, the Vision Conference. Last I checked, the New York City Church had more registrations than any other church in the kingdom. So let's keep that up because that conference can be life-changing for those who go to it. So don't under, un, underestimate what the Spirit can do in your life. And speaking of vision, that's what we're here to talk about. Speaking of vision, we want to spend just a few minutes talking about how you can make your vision a reality as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I believe God has dreams and vision for every human being that he's ever created. And that one of our goals and ambitions in life is to discover God's vision for us to discover his purpose for our lives. And you're really living life when you connect your passion and dream with your talent and abilities. And that is God's will for us to, to find out what gifts he's given us and to connect those with a zeal and a passion to be our very best for God's glory. And so that brings us to a young man named Joseph. And we read about Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 through 50. And many of you know Joseph's story and Joseph's life. But Joseph was a dreamer. And I believe his dreams came from God. They just weren't fantasies. But he didn't do a good job of communicating those dreams to his brothers or to his family. And so because of the fact that his father already, Father Jacob already favored him. His brothers were jealous. And then when he told them of his dreams, one of them, he said, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And then he had another dream where he said, this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And he was talking about himself and his 11 brothers that one day would bow down to him. And his brothers despised him and they hated him so much that they came up with a plot to get rid of him. And instead of killing him, they sold him into slavery to the Midianites who in turn sold Joseph to Potiphar one of Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, officials. And there Joseph was, 
in Potiphar's household. Probably wondering, what in the world has happened to me? That here I land in a place that I never thought I would be. And yet what we're going to see is that God was able to work through Joseph's life, just like I believe that God wants to work through every person's life in this room today. And so I want to take a few minutes to, to help you to see that some 20 years later, Joseph's dreams would become a reality, but it took a lot for those initial visions to become a part of his everyday life. And I think in the same way, whatever vision or dream that you have, God wants it to become a reality, but there are no shortcuts to it becoming a reality. So let's, let's take a few minutes to talk about what it took for Joseph's vision to become a reality. And I've got three quick points I want to make here. Number one, no compromise. Can I get an amen on that church? Number two, no giving up. Amen? And number three, no holding on. That's the sermon. I'm done. If you just write those things down and put them into practice, you can live an effective and fruitful Christian life. Well, before I dismiss, let me expound a little bit, just for a few minutes. Number one, no compromise. You know, here Joseph, he's in Potiphar's house, and the Bible says... In Genesis 39, it says that now Joseph was well-built and handsome sisters. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of him and she, she approaches Joseph and she says, come to bed with me. But he refused. He says, with me in charge, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to me. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. Then he said to her, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And so here Joseph finds himself in a potential compromising situation. And because of his convictions, which I ascertained came from his own family, he said, I will not do this. I would not compromise. Now, who was watching? Who would have seen it? Well, Joseph goes on to say to her, the Bible says that though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to, be, to go to bed with her or even be with her because his conviction was, how can I do such an evil thing and sin against God? You see, if we want our dreams to come true, we have to have the same conviction that Joseph no compromise. Not because I'm afraid people may find out, but because my God is watching me. See, the devil never gives up on trying to get us to compromise. So many dreams are shattered when disciples compromise. Now, I could tell you horror stories of disciples who started off on a great journey and then they compromised their faith and it's never worth it, and it, it never works out. And so I want to encourage our singles today, do not compromise in your walk with God. 
no matter how good looking that man is outside of Jesus, you need to say, get behind me, Satan. I will not compromise because how can I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And I want to let my sisters know I'm proud of you because you stand firm in your convictions about Jesus Christ. And that's a true woman of God. And you hang in there and you keep on dreaming. And ask God to bless your life. But a dream won't come true if you compromise. Same is true with our brothers. The same is true with our teens. God bless you. The only thing I wish I'd done better in my Christian life as I think back, well, there are many things, but I wish I'd become a Christian sooner. Because to become a Christian as a teenager, you are saving your life from so many of life's hurts and pains. Do not compromise. Campus students, do not compromise. It's not worth it. No boyfriend is worth your relationship with God. No girlfriend is worth your relationship with God. It's not worth it. Don't compromise. Married adults, don't compromise. Oh, I know marriage can be difficult. But you prayed for that husband or that wife. And God gave them to you. And so you've got to decide that you're going to remain faithful to them all the days of your life. You know, Cynthia and I just celebrated 38 years of marriage. And, and I have to admit, in those 38 years, I've been a one-woman man. She's the only woman I'm interested in. God's dreams cannot come true if you compromise your, your convictions. You know, we were having our, our Thanksgiving Christmas party as a staff last November. And I remember Nellie, Nellie Yarrett, she, she, she shared about what she was thankful for. And she says, you know, I'm thankful that in my studies, as she was studying the Bible, that the sisters told me, Nellie, never compromise. And she was praising God that people had told her that look, on your journey, there are going to be ups and downs. But sister, make a decision before you get baptized that you will never compromise. And God bless her. She's held to that conviction. And now she's seen her daughter become a disciple. And I think that's because she's held on to her dreams with no compromise. And all of us need to have the same conviction that Nellie has. That no matter what happens, I will never compromise because of my love for God and my faith in God. No compromise. Number two, no giving up. No giving up. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. And they lied to their, his father about what had happened to him, saying that he got slaughtered. And, and they took his cloak back, covered in goat's blood, and it was just a big lie. And now because Joseph said no to Potiphar's wife, she goes back and tells her husband, he was hitting on me. He tried to take advantage of me. And he gets angry and he throws Joseph in prison. And so there Joseph is in prison. He did the right thing, but now he's suffering for it. And then as he's in prison, 
the chief cupbearer, and well, later on in prison, he, he interprets the dreams of the chief cupbearer and he interprets the, the dream of, of the baker, and they don't come through for him. And so he finds himself being treated unjustly. It's not fair. That happens in life sometimes. And so he, he believes that he's going to get out of prison because the chief cupbearer said, I'll remember you. And yet, as time went on, he did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He forgot him. And two years passed by before the, the, the cupbearer would even mention Joseph. And we'll get to that in a minute. What do you think was on Joseph's mind as he sat there unjustly in prison? You know, he could have dwelt on the hurts that had come his way because people he loved did not come through for him. He could have given up and said, that, that's it. Now, have you ever felt like giving up? Have you ever felt like everything is going wrong as you're trying to do the will of God? Have you ever been hit so hard by disappointment that you wondered, if, can I make it through? Have Christians ever disappointed you? Have church leaders ever disappointed you? Get in line. Have you ever wondered, how can I go on? Have you ever felt forgotten? Have you ever felt all alone in your struggle? You know, one of the things that discourages me most is unresolved conflict. I hate conflict. Don't you hate conflict? You know, I was on a phone call with some brothers, and they encouraged me to get on a phone call with them, trying to help another brother who I knew he was wrong. I'm telling y'all, he was in sin. But when I got on the phone call, all his issues were with me. And I'm, and this is from another church. I'm like, I'm not even paid to do this. And here I find myself in this situation, trying to reconcile. And I'm like, I don't want to put up with this. And then finally, I believe the Spirit of God speaks to me. And this brother is struggling, and his every struggle is because of something I said. And I basically just said, brother, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I mean, I'm just trying to find a way to move forward. But I tell you, there was a moment there when I thought, I'm going to forget these fools because this is not what I'm here for. This is not why I became a Christian. I want to just focus on New York and the New York church and my family and the rest of y'all just leave me alone. But God called me to a little bit more here and there I am trying to, trying to resolve this. But you know, God doesn't forget when you do the right thing. And what we've got to understand is that we should never give up no matter what we're going through because God does not forget you and God did not forget Joseph. 
You know, Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, at my first defense, no one came to my support. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the gospel might be proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I think what God is trying to teach so many of us is perseverance. There's nobody in the Bible who really accomplished anything that did not go through struggle and trial, who wasn't tempted to want to give up. And perseverance is what God wants us to learn. And I'm here to tell you, church, the world is not fair. Life struggles and challenges are not fair. Sometimes the way people treat you is not fair. But I think we read a scripture in James somewhere that said, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I read that somewhere, and it says, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. God is trying to refine us. He's trying to transform us into the image of Jesus, and you'll never get there if you give up. You can't quit on God. And you can't quit when you go through the difficult times. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I believe the Lord was getting Joseph ready when he was in prison to lead a nation. He was getting him ready to do greater things by teaching him perseverance. And we can't quit if we want our dreams to come true. And whatever you're going through right now, you need to ask yourself, is God trying to teach me perseverance? Is God trying to teach me how to hold on and to have faith even in the darkest trials to not give up? God has a vision for you, he has a dream for you. But in order for you to get there, you've got to hang in there and keep doing what you know is right. You know, I talked about the 38 years that Cynthia and I have been married. I wish I could tell you that every year has been glorious and that we've never had disagreements and we've never had difficulty. My wife has never wanted to leave me, but she's wanted to kill me quite a few times. And there are other people here today that we can hold up and celebrate who've been married 50 years. Larry and Mary Lou have been married 50 years. Tommy and Connie have been married 50 years. And in those 50 years, they would tell you it's never better than it's ever been. It's never better now than it's ever been because they've decided to persevere and to never give up. And I want to challenge some of our married couples. What is wrong with you? Get, don't, we couldn't stop you from wanting to get married. And now you don't even want to be in the same per room with the person. God is trying to teach you perseverance. You got to hang in there with that crazy man. Keep loving him. Keep praying for him. Keep believing. The same thing is true with your, with your wife. The same thing is true with our children. We wanted these children. 
And now that we've got them, we're like, these aren't my kids, these are your kids. And yet, let me tell you, you gotta hang in there with your children. Persevere, you never know what will happen. I remember when Christina left the faith for a few years. Hardest three or four years of my life. Prayed for her every day. I mean, little thing, 100 and whatever pounds, soaking wet. I'm like, she's out there, what could happen? But we prayed and we, and we persevered and we learned unconditional love. And yes, God had to work on her, but more importantly, God was working on us to teach us to, to continue to love, to continue to give, to continue to serve, just as Jesus would. You know, Pharaoh went on and had his dreams, seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. And Joseph is finally called in. And Joseph comes in, and the final point is no holding on. No holding on. Joseph comes in and Pharaoh has these dreams and no one's able to interpret them and, and God blesses Joseph with the ability to interpret these dreams. And so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. The dream is starting to become a reality. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and men shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. What a great victory. You know, and as Joseph was riding around and, and being lauded, there was the cupmaker. <laughs> what would you have said to that cup, that cupbearer? I'm sorry. Not the chief baker, he's already dead, but here's the cupbearer, man. This was two years, man. What happened? That's not what Joseph did. I'm sure Mr. and Mrs. Potiphar were right there at the parade. What would you have said? Oh, there you are, Mrs. Potiphar. Thank you, thank you, thank you for lying about me. And then finally, Joseph's brothers show up when the famine begins. You know, it can be hard letting things go. It can be hard. Can't a church? It can be hard. Sometimes you just wonder, God, give me strength here. And later on in Genesis 42, now here's the thing you gotta understand. Joseph's brothers show up. When they sold him into slavery, he was 17. Now he's 39 years old. 22 years have passed. And his brothers come in, and the Bible says, although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them. See, it took a while for Joseph to re reveal himself to his brothers, and he did take them through a bit of difficulty with Benjamin. But he remembered his dreams. 
Do you remember your dreams? Do you remember the dreams you had when you got baptized? Do you remember how you said you were going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that you were going to set the world on fire for him? Do you remember those dreams? Do you remember the dreams when you got married that you were going to love this man or this woman and that they would never cry? That y'all would always laugh? Do you remember? Do you remember when you had children and you saw that little that little thing and you said, I'm going to love them all the way to heaven? Do you remember when you took that job and you're like, oh, this is the best job ever and now you hate that job? You remember? You remember when you started that semester and you're going to make all A's? And now you don't hardly go to class? What happened? Remember when you made that major decision in your life? Cynthia and I made a major decision in 1987 to move from sunny Florida to New York City. And we were living in White Plains, New York. And five months after the blessing of White Plains, we were told, you're going to the Bronx. Nobody didn't tell me I was going to the Bronx when they first hired me. They said, you're going to White Plains. But you know, God moves in mysterious ways. I just had a dream of just wanting to do great things for God. And there, Joseph, he's in this situation, and he remembers the dream, that, and, and it comes together for him. God is working here. You see, for your dreams to come true, you've got to decide, I'm not going to hold on to the past. I'm not going to hold on to resentment. And really, one of the greatest weapons in our arsenal, because the Bible says that God has given us all these great weapons that the, 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 the war, the fight that we're in, we don't wage war as the world does for the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. And one of the greatest weapons you have is the weapon of forgiveness. And we need to teach this to the world that is lost. And we need to remind one another, you've got to learn forgiveness. And then Joseph says to his brothers in Genesis 45, he said, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And Joseph said, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into slavery. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was the same lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh and lord of the entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Joseph demonstrates to us one of the most powerful weapons we have as Christians, and that is the weapon of forgiveness. 
If we want to see our dreams come true, we got to learn to forgive and to let go of the past hurt and wrongs and disappointment. Joseph is not Joseph without this journey. And there's a place that God's trying to take you and you'll never get there if you don't learn forgiveness, if you don't learn to let go of things that have hurt you from the past. Why is God letting you go through it? Because he wants to refine us and help us to be like Jesus who stood on a cross having been treated so wrong by everybody and simply said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Joseph is not an inspiration today if he holds his brothers accountable for what they've done. We wouldn't be here talking about him. He's not an upward call to our lives. If he doesn't persevere through his trials and struggles and disappointments and has a forgiving heart, God wants us all to move forward, to capture the vision that he has for our lives, but we can't move forward to the future if we're holding on to the past. Why are you facing whatever challenge there is in your life today? And everybody has challenges. Maybe it's so that God can use you like he used Joseph. Maybe that's it. And the question is not, are you treated fairly or who's right or who's wrong or does somebody know my side? You know, Joseph, what about my side? What about what happened to me? No, the real issue is, are you willing to keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and learn true humility and learn true forgiveness through the grace of God? Let it go. Don't use your energy and your time on things from the past. We got to live now, not in the past. We got things to do, church, by the glory of God. We've got souls to save. We've got regions to strengthen. We got ministries to build. God has a vision. He has a dream. I can't save you from the journey. I've got mine. You've got yours. But I know that if you go through that journey, trusting God, holding to God, learning the lessons that God is trying to teach you. And one thing I've learned in my life, after 44 years as a disciple, is that I'm no longer trying to be right. I'm just trying to be what God wants me to be. I don't care if I win or lose. I just want to do the will of God. And you can win the argument and lose the war. Look at Joseph's heart. 
So I want to challenge you today, church, encourage you today, church. Make your vision a reality. What is it going to take? No compromise. Decide today. I'm going to read my Bible and pray every day, and I will not go to the left or the right. I'm going to do the will of God. Don't compromise. No giving up. Don't you give. Some people may have come here today saying this is my last service. I'm coming to say farewell. Great to know you. Don't you go anywhere. This is where God wants you to be. No giving up. And then no holding on. If you're not right with somebody, go to them today and say, look, I want to get right with you. Please forgive me. And you might be waiting when they're going to say, please forgive me. It doesn't matter what they say. You do the will of God. And God will make your vision become a reality. God bless.